And, uh, it is good to be here. I'm thankful my family is able to be here and sing and need to pray for my wife. We uh, real discouraged tonight. We were on our way over here and uh, she told me that uh, the kids have been on eBay all day. I told her, don't worry about it. If they're still on there in the morning, we'll lower the price. <laughs> Y'all pray for us. This, this night is a night that the world is celebrating. It, it's an awful thing. An awful thing. You know, the Bible, uh, you, can't, you can't beat this book. It predicted a, a night like this a long time ago. Hebrews 10.31 said, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Hebrews 10.31. October 31st, a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And if you're not saved tonight, it's a dangerous, fearful thing for you. You could drop off into eternity just like that in a lake of fire for eternity burning forever. That's, that's a scary thing. You want something scary? That's scary. You say, what about the child of God? Well, it got you covered at 2 Corinthians 5.11. It says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. You know what that's in reference to? The judgment seat of Christ. If you're backslid tonight and you're not serving God like you ought to be, then you should be afraid also. Amen. But Genesis chapter number 35, appreciate the preaching last night and looking forward to hearing Brother Randy again tonight. I met him a couple years ago and man immediately was a tremendous blessing uh, to me and our family and so thankful to be able to preach with him tonight. And so tonight in Genesis chapter 35, we'll read a couple verses and kind of give you a story here that should be familiar to you and then we'll preach for a minute and get out of the way. And uh, last night, Evangelist Colonel Sanders uh, preached about the prodigal son. I said that because I asked him what his name was, and he told me, remember, Colonel Sanders. So that, that's how I got. I'm not being disrespectful. I appreciate the message last night. And uh, he preached last night about that prodigal. And I, I, I was told years ago that uh, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And so I believe for every Bible truth in the New Testament, there is an illustration in the Old Testament to show that story. And I believe this is one of those with Jacob. And you say, how is Jacob tied into the prodigal son? Well, he's a man that left his father in a bad way and went out to a far country. Now, he was not eating out of the pig pen like the other boy was. But he was just as away from God as the prodigal son. He wasn't eating out of the pig pen. He had more money than he knew what to do with. So what does that tell us tonight? It tells us that you can have money and a good job and everything going great and still be right out of the will of God and still be a prodigal. And I want to look at him for just a few minutes tonight and get out of the way. Genesis chapter 35 and verse number 1. If you're there, would you say amen? Amen. amen. And the Bible said, And God said unto Jacob, Arise and go up to Bethel and dwell there and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garments and let us arise and go up to Bethel. And I will make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress. 
and was with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all their earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. And they journeyed. And the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them, and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan, that is Bethel. He and all the people that were with him. Brother Stephen Smith from our church, would you stand and pray and ask the Lord to bless the message that he would be pleased with it? Amen. So we have a very, should be somewhat familiar to you. You know, if people would read their Bible every day, it would really help a preacher out and not have to explain as much. But I find that you got to a lot because people don't read their Bible every day. But we find here the story of Jacob, and we read in this passage that he is to a place where he knows he needs to get back to Bethel. But I want to go back a few years. And when I say a few years, I'm talking about a little over 20 years ago in the life of Jacob. Go back with me to Genesis chapter number 28. Genesis chapter number 28. Uh, we find that Jacob in Genesis chapter 28 has already lived his childhood and he's there in the house with his parents. And we find out that he is going to end up stealing his brother's blessings. You, you know that story. I'm not going to get into that. His mom helped him do this. Now he's crossways with his, with his brother. He's crossways with his dad. His mom is sending him out because his brother wants to kill him. That's real encouraging, isn't it? Hey, when your family members want to kill you. And so he leaves out. And so we pick up in Genesis chapter 28. And uh, Jacob, up to this point, has not had a real experience with God. And you know, young people in here tonight, there has to come a time in your life where he becomes your God. Amen. It's not just Abraham's God, not just Isaac's God. There had to come a time in his life where he became real to Jacob. And we can read stories about that where he was the God of Abraham. And then later on, Israel had a moment where God became real. And it became the God of Abraham and of Isaac. And then Jacob now, this is his time to get real with God. Amen. Look with me in Genesis chapter 28. Are you there? Say amen. 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 All right, that's less than it was there the first time. Genesis 28. And look at me in verse number 19. The Bible said, and he calleth the name of that place. Bethel. I'm not going to go back and read about Jacob's ladder and all that. You can go back and read the story later. But Jacob meets with God in a real way. Jacob's meeting with God in a way that Pastor Decker in this church has been praying that we would meet with God this week in a real way. We don't need another meeting. We don't need another revival. We don't need another camp meeting at our church. 
We need God to show up in a real way. And this happened for Jacob here. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of the city was called Luz at first. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go. That's the right way. Amen. I still believe the old pass is the right way. And will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. This is the Bethel experience that we're reading about in Genesis chapter 35. In Genesis 35, it is 20 years plus from this moment that took place. And you know, this moment, this place of Bethel in the life of Jacob, this represents a place of salvation in his life. It represents a place of salvation. I'll never forget where I was when God saved me. It was in uh, Beaver Creek, Ohio. Uh, Colonel Sanders, Brother Sanders knows where Xenia, Ohio was. I graduated from school there. Nobody knows where Xenia is, but he did. It's a small world. But it was at Charity Baptist Church in Dayton, Ohio. I kneeled, knelt down as a nine-year-old boy. And that day, that became a Bethel in my life. That was when I, for the first time, met God face to face. I had knew about God. I'd heard about God. I knew all the verses. I grew up in church. I was a drug baby, drug to church and drug home every Sunday, every revival, every camp meeting. But that was not the reason I was saved. It was because one day as a nine-year-old boy, the Holy Spirit of God sent conviction to my heart and I realized I was a sinner on my way to hell and I needed to be saved. And I could take you back to that place right now, back to the very spot, because that is a Bethel in my life. That's the place where I met God and He became real. There's a bank sitting where that church used to sit. That church doesn't even exist anymore. It's gone. There's a bank sitting there. It's a credit union. And I took my daughter by there several years ago. I was preaching up there, and we drove by there, and I said, I want to take you to the place where I met God. I know you can't always go back to that place physically, but you ought to be able to go back to it in your mind and remember when God saved you and he pulled you up out of that miry clay and set your foot on a rock and established your goings. Jacob, God wanted Jacob to go back to that place. I took my daughter back there. And you know what? I'm not making this up. I believe where I got saved, the very spot, is right where the vault is in that new bank. I said, man, God would do that for me. That's where all the money is. That's the spot where I met God. That's a Bethel in my life. Where, where's your Bethel? It might be Bethel. It might be this place where you met God for the first time and He became real and you were saved by the grace of God. That place represented a place of salvation. It represented salvation in the life of Jacob. It not only represented salvation, it, it, it represented a place of submission where he submitted himself to God. We find him making promises to God, Lord, I'll go. You take care of me, and I'll serve you. I'll do whatever you want me to do. You remember that time in your life? You remember when you first got saved, 
and you were willing to do anything? You were willing to serve in whatever capacity? You were willing to do whatever it took just to be a blessing to the church and to the pastor? Jacob had that Bethel experience. It was a place of salvation and submission. It was a place of sanctification in his life where he began to set himself apart and say, I'm going to serve God. I mean, he was so full of God, he said, I'm going to start tithing. It takes a lot of God to get somebody to tithe the way they're supposed to. Are y'all still there? Look at the verse. Verse 22. He said, of all thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Do you remember that time, that Bethel in your life? When God dealt with you about tithing, and you said, Lord, I'll do it. I mean, you would tithe off of a gift card. You, you would tithe off of all the increase, like the Bible says. And don't tell me it's not for New Testament Christians. Come see me after church for that, too. Or go see Brother Randy. Brother Randy will help you with it. But this place was a place where he met God and where it represented salvation and submission and sanctification in his life. And I'm telling you, if you're here tonight, I see a lot of gray hair in here. If you're saved, do you remember that day when you met God, when he became real to you, when he rescued you from hell? Do you remember that day? But then Jacob leaves that place and he is on fire for God. He showed up to church early. He helped turn the lights on. He was the last one to leave. He picked up trash in the parking lot. He made sure he gave his tithe. And if he thinks it was short, he told his wife to put a little extra in. Well, he's not married yet. He does that later. And, and all of a sudden, he's willing to do whatever. He just wants to be in God's presence all the time. He wouldn't miss a revival service for anything. He's on fire for God. But then he leaves from that spot and he's going to go find him a wife. And all of a sudden he's going along and he looks up in the most beautiful creature he has ever seen in his life is standing there right in front of him. And like a lot of teenage boys, they forget about every promise they ever made God. We've had it in our church. We've had teenage boys come to our church on fire for God. One of them, God gave him the gift of sign language faster than I've ever seen anybody pick it up. We have a deaf man in our church and no signers. And he picked it up quick. God gave him that gift. I mean, he was signing the next Sunday and just, I couldn't believe it. And a little young lady showed up, came to church one time and said, I will never listen to that man preach ever again. And guess where, guess where he went with her. And all of a sudden, he sees Rachel show up, and he has fallen in love. He was supposed to go get a wife and go right back to where God had him. Go right back to serving God. So Jacob shows up, and I'm going to fast forward the story so I don't go too long, and some of y'all are saying amen. And so he shows up and meets Rachel, and then Laban shows up. Man, what a character. And all of a sudden, Jacob... I mean, he's in love with Rachel. And next thing you know, he gets him a job. And says, what can I do to have her? And Laban said, listen, you work for me for seven years, you can have her. And all of a sudden, the trickster, the shyster is about to get tricked himself. 
you, you know this story, and I'm going somewhere. And so he worked seven years. Now Jacob has a problem, a situation that a lot of young men have today. You say, what's that, preacher? They meet a young lady, and she's the most beautiful thing that he has ever seen in his life. I mean, gorgeous. She looks like she walked out of a magazine or right out of Instagram or Twitter or whatever they're using. I mean, she's gorgeous. There's a lot of young men that meet a young lady and fall in love, and she's so beautiful. And he marries her. That's the way you're supposed to do it, marry her first. This try it before you buy it straight out of hell. It's not right to touch a woman until you're married. That's Bible. And so he, he meets her, he courts her, and he takes her home. She's, she's gorgeous. And he goes to bed. And young men today, these young ladies, he'll take them home, and they'll go to bed with Rachel, and they wake up with Leah. Because when they take off all their war paint, that is not the woman that I married. I mean, they go to bed with Rachel, and they wake up with Leah, and they say, Whoa, who are you? It's exactly what Jacob did. You said, are you against makeup? No, there's a lot of old barns that need paint. But what I am against, and listen, this isn't my church. I'm a pastor, though. I'll just preach to our people. I am against you taking a little girl that's got perfect skin that God gave her. She's fearfully and wonderfully made and putting paint and putting chemicals all over it and then by the time she's 17 and 18 she has to wear makeup because her face is messed up because mama dressed her up and paraded her in front of a bunch of people at pageants that's what I am against these women today got so much makeup on you don't know what's under there it's Halloween 24 7 I'll move on Jacob Jacob goes to bed with who he thinks is Rachel. He wakes up and it's Leah. But he's so in love with Rachel. And I'll say this too. I don't know how many young men we have in here. But it's not all about the looks. I mean, if I were you, what I would do is, is I would get that young lady with some supervision, courtship, before you say, uh, will you marry me? And say, I'm going to bring you home. And I want you to cook me a meal. And I don't want you to wear any makeup. And we're going to go through this first before I ask you to marry me. And if she shows up and you say, who are you? That's your first hint. You're in trouble. And then if she has Chinese takeout, run. I mean, she needs to be able to make homemade biscuits and gravy. My wife does. I weighed 180 pounds when we got married. I'm just saying, be careful with what you want. If you study the story, and I've got to move along, Leah ended up being the more profitable wife. That's who the line of Christ came through. The one that he was not wanting was the one that God wanted. Be very careful with it. And so he's tricked, and he works another seven years. And you say, what are you getting at, Brother Andrew? I'm saying that there was a time in his life where he got saved, he was submitted, he was sanctified, he would do anything to serve God. And now life and time is going by. Now he's got a job. Now, now he has two wives. Amen. Any man with more than one wife is crazy. Solomon was crazy. 
And all of a sudden, uh, he's got these two wives, he's got children, he's working this farm, and next thing you know, time goes on and time goes on, and it's 20 years later. It's when we read in Genesis 35. Turn with me, if you would, quickly over to the chapter 31. Chapter 31. Jacob marries Leah. Then he marries Rachel, 14 years has gone by, and now his father-in-law realizes that he's blessed because Jacob's there, and uh, just like an employer will do to you today, he'll realize that he's blessed for having a child of God working for him, and he don't care nothing about you being at church or revival. And Jacob was trying to leave, he tried to leave a couple times, and Laban threw more money at him. It's amazing to me the people that'll miss church and miss revivals and miss seeing their kids grow up for one more dollar. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. For y'all that aren't liking this, I'm driving a big old truck with Georgia tags on it. <laughs> Genesis chapter 31. And look with me in verse number 3. I, I'm almost finished. Genesis chapter 31 verse 3. Uh, listen, you know God in His good grace and mercy... He loves you, and he will chasten you, and he will help you. And God was trying to get Jacob back on course. Look with me in verse number 3 of chapter 31. The Bible said, the Lord said unto Jacob, Return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. Go back to Bethel. Go back to the land of your kindred. Look at verse number 13. He reminds him, he said, I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointest a pillar, where thou vowest a vow unto me. Now arise, get thee out from this land, and return it to the land of thy kindred. There was a time in Jacob's life, in the middle of those 20 years, where he's uh, by himself, and he's going through hardships. He wants to leave his father-in-law. He's got two uh, women that are, are upset with each other, and they've both got children, and they're handmaids, and everything's a mess. And God just shows up in a still, small voice like he does. He says, Jacob, go back. Just go back to that place that you named Bethel. Go back to that place where you made me a promise that you were going to serve me, that you were never going to miss church, that you were going to raise your family in church, that you were going to serve God. Jacob, go back to that place. And I imagine as soon as he told Jacob, to go back, Jacob immediately knew what he was talking about, but God reminded him of what he said. Do you remember you told me that you would serve me? Do you remember you told me, and Jacob, you've gotten a long ways away from me. You know, there's people that are sitting in church every Sunday, but in their heart, they are a long way away from the day that God saved them. And when they were excited, they're a long way away from the day where they read their Bible every day. And when they were faithful to church. And when they were attending meetings faithfully. And when they just wanted to serve God. There was a time where they would walk in the church and see a piece of trash on the ground. And they would fight to pick it up. And now they walk by and wonder who's going to pick it up. It amazes me when people come up to me in my church and let me know there's a light bulb out. Thank you, sir, for letting me know there's a light bulb out. You're a grown man. Go get a ladder and change the light bulb. This is your church too. I'm not talking to these guys. And, and so, but Jacob, you've come a long way. 
There's people sitting in church right now. They may, may be a member of this church or another church. And in their heart, they're so far away from where they met God and from the promises they made. And they're cold against church. At one time, the preacher, they would do anything for them. They would fight for them. They would march through hell for them. They would do whatever. They wouldn't let nobody talk about them. But now we're going home and looking at our wife and saying, I just don't know what's wrong with the preacher this week. And right in front of our kids having roast preacher for lunch. And it wasn't just 10 years ago. He was the best thing that ever happened in your life. God used him in a mighty way to help you. God used that man to help your kids. And you saw your marriage get put back together. You saw your children saved. And you were saying, God, thank you for this man. And now time has gone by. And you've gotten cold. Why? It might be a relationship. It might have been a job. And Jacob is in this place and God shows up and says, Jacob, go back to Bethel. But Jacob does just like some of us do. Lord, I hear you. But let me finish what I'm doing first. But God, I understand what you're telling me. But I got this job coming up. I understand. But Johnny's got a baseball game during revival. I understand. But the church down the road's got truck or treat we got to go to. Lord, I hear what you're saying. And Jacob doesn't go back to Bethel right then. He ends up coming up with this scheme and getting his cattle and taking Laban's cattle. And finally, he begins to move back towards Bethel, but he's going really slowly. And we find out, let's fast forward real quick, chapter 33. Chapter 33, verse number 17. When you're there, say amen. amen. All right, that's even less than before. We're getting there. All right, 33, verse 17. And Jacob... 33 verse 17. Now Jacob's beginning to move his way back towards Bethel. He's met up with his, his brother, got things right with him. God said, go back to Bethel. Go back to the place where you met me. Go back to the place where I changed your life and where you promised me you were going to serve me and raise your family for my glory. 33 17, and Jacob journeyed to Succoth and built him a house. You see that there? Made booths for his cattle. Was he back in the land of Luz? No. He was just short of Bethel. Look at there, verse 18. And Jacob came to Shalem, a city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, where he came in from uh, Pandanaram and pitched his tent before the city. And look what it says in verse 19. And he bought a pontoon boat. Y'all see that there? That's in the Greek and Hebrew some of y'all were looking for earlier. And, and, and he bought him a lake house. And he bought a parcel of field where he had spread his tent. I mean, he is just short of getting back to Bethel and getting back right with God. He's just short of it. And he lays down roots. And what happens? Let me fast forward through here real quick. He comes just short of Bethel. And the very next chapter, verse number one, his daughter Dinah, the daughter of Leah, went, which she bare unto Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. Brother Pastor Randy preaches a great message on this thought. I heard him preach it at a youth rally. 
just short of Bethel. And this daughter that he vowed that he was going to keep her in church when he got married, he was going to raise his family for God. And they weren't going to miss any meetings. And they were going to serve God. And they were going to be at Sunday school. And he was going to make sure his kids were around the things of God. Now he's letting her go to prom. And now he's letting her go off to the homecoming dance. Just short of being back where God wants him to be. But Lord, I'm getting close. And Jacob, 20 years is going by. And man, it seems like his life has fallen apart. You said, how is he like the prodigal son? I don't know. Maybe you kind of see the picture a little bit that he's gotten away from God. And now his daughter is defiled by the prince of the country. The prince of the power of the air wants your children. And the prince of the country shows up and steals this young lady and steals her virginity and steals her purity. And that's exactly what the devil wants to do to you. And there was a time in your life where I'm telling you, you said, man, my kids won't do this and they won't do that and my family won't go there. We're going to serve God. And then all of a sudden money and jobs and relationships and now your kids are getting a little older and you're letting them get away with a few things and getting so far away from where you were where God said I will bless you and I will take care of you and I will provide for you and Jacob promised him Lord I'll live for you and now his daughter's defiled his boys are in trouble with the law of the land Jacob has a bad name in that area. Go back and read all this. His family's a mess. There's people sitting here tonight that because of decisions you made years ago, and listen, I'm not trying to put you on a guilt trip, but I'm saying that we as the children of God, we can get far away from the place where we said we would serve God with our life. And now we would give anything for our grandkids to be at church. We would give anything for our children to be in revival. We would give anything for them just to serve God. There's young families in here right now, and I want to tell you, so very easily you could slip out of this thing and be so far away from God that you end up losing your daughter. You end up raising your grandchildren. You end up raising your great-grandchildren sometimes. I've heard stories. And I'm telling you, Jacob's life is falling apart. And he doesn't know what to do. He's in turmoil. And God shows up in chapter 35 in his mercy and in his grace. And God will do that for you in a meeting like this. And through preaching like this all week long, he'll show up and he'll say, Hey, remember me? Do you remember how good I've been to you? Do you remember where I saved you? Do you remember where you submitted to me? Do you remember where you were separated and you were willing to serve God? Hey, he said, hey, Jacob, do you remember how good I've been to you? And Jacob began to think about how good God had been to him and said, Lord, what have I done? And I'm, I'm just going to give you these four things because my time is up. There's four things that Jacob did to get back to Bethel. The first one was there was a realization. He had to wake up one day, 
Just like the boy, just like the prodigal son, he had to wake up. He talked about the mind last night and the feet. He had to realize, I've messed up. I've gotten so far away from God. I've gotten bitter and cold against the things of God. Now when I open my Bible to read it, it's numb, it's empty, there's nothing there. When I sit through the preaching, the pastor's been praying and preparing all week, and I sit through the services, and I'm numb, and I don't even want to be there, I've gotten far away. I've gotten away from God, and there was a realization. Verse number 2, the Bible said then, Jacob said, chapter 35, verse 2, Then Jacob said unto his household, and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garments. Jacob got up after God said, go back to Bethel. And he began to look around his house. It says, what have we done? Now we have these idols all over our house. We have these walls that are slapped full of DVDs and movies. And we've got the televisions in every room of the house. And we've got all these things that we've accumulated. And we've got idols. And then he begins to look around and said, Man, I remember when I first got saved, I always said my wife would never dress that way. I always said that we were going to please God in our dress and our modesty and in our identity. It's all there in the text. He begins to say, change your clothes. Man, we're going back to the house of God. We're going back to Bethel. You need to change your garments. You need to be clean. You need to wash up and get ready to go back to the house of God. Jacob knew what was right. He knew how they ought to dress. He knew how they ought to behave. He knew that they ought to be clean. God still desires his people to be clean. You believe that? He tells you to be holy, for he is holy. It amazes me that people come to church the way they do in 2023. I have not one problem with a thrift store. Every piece of clothing I have just about came from a, this right here came from a thrift store. Hey, praise God, amen. And it came from a thrift store and was gift to me. Glory to God, amen. No problem. I do got a problem when people show up and they look like a thrift store though. They look like a cornflake jumped on them. Amen. Some wives ought to be very ashamed if your husband comes in looking like a cornflake. Come, I'm talking about we're coming to worship God. This is going over great. What does he say? Put away the strange gods. Get clean. Change your clothes. There's a realization. I'm telling you, parents, we need to go home tonight and pray and say, God, is there anything in my home that is not pleasing to you? I'm talking about getting back to God where things become real. Stop playing games with God. There was a realization. Next of all, there was repentance. There's repentance. That's a scary word for people. Look at verse number three. Let us arise and go up to Bethel. There was a change of direction. We are going to stop doing what we're doing. What we're doing is not pleasing to God. We're going to go a different direction. We're changing our heart. We're changing our mind. He preached about the feet last night. All this goes together. And he says we're going in a different direction. He repented about the way he was doing things. 
And if you're going to get back to Bethel tonight and you want God to become real to you again and you want your Bible to come alive again and you want church to be exciting again and you want your family to see God and your wife to see God and your children to see a move of God, you're going to have to realize there's some things that are unpleasing to him and not right and we're going to do something different starting today. There's a realization. There's a repentance. Next thing you know, look at verse number four. There's a removal. A removal. Look at verse number four. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods. His wife must not have been independent Baptist. Because most independent wives I know today would tell their wife, I'm not giving you nothing. Give me the keys. Amen. All right. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand. And all their earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak. Not only there's a realization and a repentance, but there's a removal. Jacob began to clean house and say, we need God more than we need all this stuff. We need God more than we need the ball field. We need God more than we need entertainment. We need Him. If our kids are going to make it, we've got to have God. We've got to have Him. And last of all, there was a return. In verse number 5, And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them, and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan, that is Bethel. Twenty years went by, twenty plus years. This message God put on my heart so heavy just recently the Lord called me to preach over 20 years ago this past July. I've been saved for 28 years. The Lord called me to preach 20 years ago. And I got to a place at our church and in my ministry with my family where I felt like I was struggling and going along, getting discouraged. You know, the devil's a great discourager. And when the brethren are trying to discourage, you're helping the devil. The devil's a discourager of the brethren. Amen. When you try to discourage, you're helping the devil. And so I got to that place and God brought me to this text in my Bible reading and showed me, and it was 20 years ago for Jacob, and God said, Andrew, do you remember 20 years ago in Pell City, Alabama, at Faith Baptist Youth Camp, when you got on your hands and knees and you gave me everything? I said, Lord, I remember that day when I got down on my hands and knees and I said, God, I want to serve you with my life. And God, I'm praying you'll send me a wife that wants to serve you. And I'm praying you'll give me a family that wants to please you. And God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. He said, go back to that place and remember what I did for you. And remember why you're doing what you're doing. I'm not living for myself. I'm living to please him. Ella, would you, is it okay if I have her play? Ella, you come, come get on the piano. Let's all stand. Every head bowed. Every